Welcome to Tammy Sparacino Journal Club Casino Podcast, hosted by Tammy Sparacino. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Per... Oops. I heard myself. Perweb 77. <laughs> day one. Amateur. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Perweb 71. Day one. Tammy Sparacino Journal Club. Uh, welcome, Tammy. Good Thank morning. You. It's good to see you. I think it's, we're Perweb 77. Isn't that what I said? I don't know. Perfweb 77, okay. day one, okay. in case I got it wrong. Okay, so very quickly, we're going to go through our usual routine, abridged version of it, though, if you don't mind. So a uh, couple of things. One, you can reach out to us at contact at perfusioneducation.com and send us an email if you'd like to contact us. Of course, going to PerfWeb, joining the uh, perfusioneducation.com website, which is a free membership, uh, but you can earn by all of your CEUs uh, for your ABCP certification that you may need for those of you who have travel restrictions, those who may be out of the country. Of course, thank God COVID is finally starting to abate. Mm-hmm. I think in a big way, mm-hmm. at least it seems that way to me. But I, 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 I'm hesitant, Tammy. I don't know where you are with all of this, but I'm hesitant, like to be don't, overly excited that it seems. Don't be like, too optimistic. But I have to be. Mm-hmm. I have to be because I don't know how our audience feels. But I can't go through that again. Well, we're. I don't know how you year, feel, but I can't. We're entering year three. But do we really have it? We don't really have it. Like we haven't, we don't have it. We're not seeing it. Well, whether or not we see it doesn't mean it's over. I mean, they're still calling it a pandemic entering year three. Yes. So it's affecting some people, just maybe not us. Yeah. I'm talking about the the level we were for the past two years. I mean, I just don't, you know, for the preceding two years. Mm -hmm. And in all seriousness, I just don't believe that I could go through that again. No, I just don't. I, I certainly don't want com- to. We already got a comment. Oh, yeah. um, hello, my friends. I want to ask you about the difference between the oxygenation and CO2 removal in the oxygenator. And is the oxygen line cylinder enough to do the job of both of them? Well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's nice to see you. Uh, uh, tell us where you're from, if you don't mind, and, and uh, uh, I'm not sure if that's your first name, last name, middle name, but maybe let us know who you are and where you're from. Um, so, yeah, I think a traditional oxygenator uh, will work very, very effectively for oxygen transfer and CO2 transfer. Mm-hmm. That's what they're designed for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when you start seeing um, the... Uh, fibers starting to become a little coated um, and maybe some of the uh, some of the pores being occluded you generally start to see a degradation in co2 transfer before you see the drop off in o2 transfer as a general rule yeah um, that's usually what i see anyway clinically um, but as far as uh with the uh, oxygen line cylinder, whether you're hooked up to a tank, which don't run out, uh, then it doesn't work at all. Um, or make it sure that you're, you're hooked up to wall. As long as you are using either 100% O2 with plenty of flow. Um, and, and as you know, usually when we do 
um, VA ECMO, you're never going to do anything but 100% FiO2 on right. your gas inlet. You would never wean your 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 FiO2 on a VA ECMO because you're not going to want to pump anything but high oxygen well, into your. In case you need to clarify, tell them why. Because it's not well, passing through the lungs, right? right. So you, there's no opportunity for additional oxygen to be added before right. it's delivered to the body. Right. You don't want to pump. You don't want to pump de desaturated blood into the arterial tree. Versus mean it, a VV, then right. of course it's passing through the lungs, depending on what the right. lungs are doing. Right. Your weaning protocols for VA and VV are vastly different. Mm -hmm. For VV, because it's a closed loop system, you you will usually keep your flows up decrease your FiO2 in your sweep. Mm -hmm. And for VA, you would cut your flow down. Now the advantage disadvantage obviously is on VA, you have, you have to respect the lower flow, lo lo longer transit time through your system, more opportunity for clots to form. So your anticoagulation has to be a little higher. Mm -hmm. In VV, you have the opportunity to keep your flow higher and less need for in because if you have your 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 gas line off and you're just going around in a circle and providing nothing except a closed loop recirculation uh into the right atrium it doesn't affect anything unless the cannula is malpositioned and affecting your cardiac output in some way then and i think that's part of your talk today mm -hmm. and something to take into consideration um is there anything i hope that answered your question Allah. Um, and, uh, David, is there anything I forgot? Like, uh, am I supposed to talk about anything else? The call in number, which is up on the screen right now, of course, please go to, uh, check out our podcasts on uh, your favorite streaming podcast uh, service. Mm -hmm. You can find us on PerfWeb, just look that up, or Perfusion Education, and you'll find our podcast there. Can listen in the car to some of our discussions, which I think are very uh, robust and uh, meaningful. Sometimes they're silly, but you know, for the most part, there's a good message in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and then also uh, check out our app. Go to the uh, Google uh, Play or the Apple App Store, and you can look up the MediWeb Clinical uh, Perfusion uh, 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 Perfusion and Critical Care app or Critical mm -hmm. Care and Perfusion app, however it's couched. And it's only $2.99. It's really worth its weight in gold. We should have really made it for $29, not not $2.99, to be frank with you. I mean, listen, it was a very expensive app to create. Mm -hmm. These are not the, you know, it's, it is not, making apps is not as simple as simple as it seems. You can make a pretty rudimentary one, mm -hmm. but this is a very complex app, I think. Do you use it at all? Mm -hmm. Have you ever used, do you use it? Yeah. I like it. I use it. When I go down yeah. to uh, Southeast, I use it down there. Yeah. Um, and can I make another announcement too? Can yeah. I, make, I can make an announcement and it has to do with the American Board of Cardiovascular Perfusion. I wanted oh, yeah. to, yeah, for those of you who may not know, I wanted to congratulate uh, Ann uh, Greco uh -huh. on her uh, appointment as the president of the ABCP. Yeah. So Ann, congratulations. congratulations. For those of you who may know Ann that might be watching right now, please send her a congratulatory uh, note. I think she would greatly appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, so I think I am, okay, so thank you very much. I am Abdul Rahman, Abdul Rahman, 
Alhumiani. I don't know if I said that right, but you're a cardiac perfusionist from Saudi Arabia. Well, welcome. We Thanks appreciate. For yes, absolutely. And thanks for participating. Actually, we're going to need your address because we're going to spin the wheel a little bit later on. Okay. And I think I've belabored enough. I'm, I apologize for all of the, the preliminary discussions and stuff, but they were good. Um, we're going to talk today. Tammy is going to uh, do a journal club, the Tammy Sparacino Journal Club, on safely repositioning the dual lumen ECMO cannula with a transfemoral lasso snare. Now, I'll tell you, even though this is more perhaps written for the pediatric world, it translates into the adult uh, space very, I think, nicely. I've had my own horrifying experiences now twice with having to replace a an Avalon catheter that had malpositioned and couldn't get put safely back into the inferior vena cava without disconnecting it putting the 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 the, wire. Uh, the, the uh yeah the uh guide the not the guide wire but the uh dilator the oh you know what i'm talking about the what am i trying to say well you the this the piece that goes inside um and then putting the introducer the, the introducer thanks yeah and then putting the wire back through and mm -hmm. feeding it in it was bloody which it means was, you have to come off ecmo yes it was bloody it was destabilizing um that was later abandoned for just Putting the uh, putting the introducer in, throwing a wire in quickly, pulling it all the way out, and then tr not trying to reposition that same catheter and changing the catheter out. Mm -hmm. um, we tried several different things, but we didn't do a. We, the patients survived. All of the patients that we did, we did too, survived it. But I was thinking there has to be a better way, and we came across this article, mm -hmm. and I thought it was very very uh timely and it was a brilliant idea my only disappointment is that i didn't think of it because it seems so uh such an incredibly smart thing to do so with that said tammy sparacino journal club it's all on you okay thanks david we bring up the slides all right thanks everyone for joining us so um Joe, uh, let you know that we are going to be talking about uh, repositioning a dual lumen ECMO cannula with a transfemoral lasso snare. Now, this article uh, was published in the Journal of Perfusion, and it's actually out of Houston, here in our Texas Medical Center, Baylor College of Medicine and Texas Children's Hospital. Uh, the physicians there and the Department of Pediatrics um, wrote this article uh, by Erica uh, O'Neill and um, her colleagues. And we're gonna just look uh, at three patients that they were able to use this technique to reposition. This was published in 2020. All right, let's get into the abstract. And Perfusion is your like favorite journal, isn't it? Yes. You love that journal. I do love that journal. I like it too. It's really good. They've got a lot of uh, variety for the articles that they put in there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's pretty interesting. I think so. Okay, let's get into this. So, brief introduction. Dual lumen cannulas were provided to provide uh, venovenous extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, VV ECMO, with single ve vessel access. Anatomic and size considerations may make appropriate placement challenging in children. 
dual lumen cannulas are repositioned in 20 to 69% of pediatric patients. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Do you, do you find that to be um, similar to in the adult yes. world? I don't think that's much different in the adult world. I think that just depending on how long your ECMO run is, you're going to have to readjust your dual lumen cannula. Agreed. Yeah. Which, uh, which can be difficult without transient discon discontinuation of ECMO support. So in this particular article, they discussed repositioning three dual lumen ECMO cannulas introduced via the right in, uh, internal jugular vein using a transfemoral snare technique under real-time ultrasound and fluoroscopy. The results, two of the three patients were supported on VV ECMO and one on veno-veno uh, arterial ECMO. Two of the three patients had their dual lumen cannulas repos repositioned under ultrasound and fluoroscopy guidance, and one was just repositioned with ultrasound. No patient experienced a complication from the transfemoral snare technique, such as femoral hematoma, hemorrhage, or limb ischemia. Conclusion, they described three patients who successfully had their cannulas repositioned without cessation, cessation, cessation of ECMO. All right. So, Quick question. Yeah. Do you have any good uh, 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 images, any, any x-rays of uh, malpositioned in your talk? today? I have the ones that they provided. The There's, ones they provided? Yes. That's good. Does I mean, that's good. Because yeah, I have a few too for, yeah. for the adult space, but we may not need them. Okay. Well, I'll sh we'll talk about these and we can go from there. So obviously the reason why this is published, many times when you are having to readjust these cannulas, the patients are too unstable to really withstand coming off ECMO, even for a brief period of time. So having some sort of technique where you're able to um, do these adjustments because the the uh, migration of the cannulas are pretty common you know you having to adjust the patient uh, you might have to move the patient uh, from their their um, ICU room to take them somewhere all of those sorts of things or the cannula not being uh, sutured in tight enough, the patient having volume status changes, all of those things can affect how well your uh, cannula is positioned. So obviously this is a problem that doesn't go away. So mm -hmm. if we have a solution that we can do this without coming off ECMO, that would be good. Okay, so the problem to be solved is, of course, will this work? And we're going to see that indeed this technique was very effective in these three patients and they were successfully able to do that. Okay, their materials and methods. So they used a multi-snare 10 to 15 millimeter retrieval loop, inserted it into a four to six French sheath into the femoral vein. Real-time ultrasound and or fluoroscopy image guidance. The Avalon tip is then snared in the loop the surgeon is working to advance the cannula from the neck. The cannula snare guides the repositioning. The tip is repositioned into the intrahepatic uh, IVC. The return port is jet is towards the tricuspid valve. Monitoring venous filling pressure, oxygen saturations, and ECMO flows all during this. The heparin anticoagulation infusion rate was not modified during the procedure. They didn't give more. They didn't temporarily stop it. They kept it just exactly where it was. 
So do you, do you know where the, uh, you know where the, uh, and if I'm interrupting you at the wrong time, just tell me, don't interrupt Bye. me. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> so you know where the first time that, and why, I, why I'm so mad that I didn't think about this before myself? Why? Well, when we, when I first started doing angiovac procedures, uh huh, we were using. What was that? How many years ago was that? Mm. Wasn't that long ago? Five years? Six years? Six, six, yeah, maybe six plus. Yeah, because I think the um, first time I saw the angiovac system was at one of the New Orleans conferences. Yes, yes, that was probably six years ago at least. Yeah, I don't think I, it was a, a it's while. It's been a ago. little while. I don't want to say it because you know that means means we're all getting older. But um, we used to go, and then it was being used to debulk, de, de, uh, uh, declot the um, IBC filter. Mm-hmm. And then they would use snares to, to go catch it. up. No, no. They would oh. suck off the clot and stuff, but then they would use snares inferiorly and superiorly to grab a hold of the IVC filter. And when they pulled, oh. it would collapse it. And then they could pull it out. Oh, I thought you were going to say they snared clots. No. So when I'm thinking how they used, how I saw them using the snare. You should have had this idea already. Yes. I'm just mad I didn't because it's such a brilliant idea. Yeah, it is really. Okay. So here's the images uh, that were provided in this article. You want a highlight or anything? You just tap it. Mm-hmm. Tap, tap the screen. Okay. Yep. That's it right there. And then you'll have your laser. Okay. All right. So this is uh, figure one, and the f uh, these are the images of patient A, which we'll get into the specific patient shortly. But this is a two-month-old male on VV ECMO. And you can see the tip of the Avalon cannula is high in the uh, right atrium. And let's see. It's kind of hard to see on the first image, actually. But let's see. I no, no, I can clearly see it. I'm I can see it way up there. I can't see where it is, actually. Here, so where's your little marker? It's there. It's right here. Yeah, okay, that's what there I was going to say. Yeah, right there. This that's it that's down. it right there, right? Yep. Okay, so and here we go. it needs to be way down. It's, it's, it's way too high. Yeah, this is where the tip is. Okay, so then on image two, you can see that the, uh, the transfemoral guided snare is looped around the cannula. So come up here, and you see the arrow, and there's the cannula, and they've looped it there. And then it's pulled down, and so they're taking it here, pulling it down here until it rests right here. There you go. You can see it. That image is pretty clear to me. I can see it pretty well. Yes. And yeah, they, you don't even see it in the left image. Yeah. It doesn't even exist. Yeah. And then there it is. Um, so then it's pulled down into the IVC, and they did all of this while on ECMO. So real quickly, can for the sake of our audience... Can you explain why, because I've seen people do this before, and I've seen one person get real lucky, but also a person get very unlucky. Mm -hmm. What happens if you just try to advance it and hope it goes into the inferior vena cava? Why is this necessary, and why can't you just simply advance it? Well, especially if you're advancing it blindly, I mean, you could go right through the heart. Yes. Um, you, and even if you get lucky and you get it 
roughly in the right position as far as the IVC, then you're going to also have to make sure it is actually oriented correctly mm -hmm. as well for the um, the uh, uh, the return port, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's that advancement. If it's in the if it's in the right atrium, mm -hmm. if it's not in the IVC, it can go angle right the, and mm -hmm. go through the tricuspid valve into the RV. Right. You can think you're going down, and it's going to hit the IVC RA tissue and possibly perforate right, right through it. And it can also curl up. We've yeah. seen that before, where mm. you're advancing and advancing, and you're even using um, uh, you're even using fluoro. A, a fluoro, and you don't ever see it coming down. It's because it's curling up. We've seen that once before yes. too. You really need fluoro to, I think. I I do not now with a baby. It may be different, but with adults, I don't think you should be trying to advance any of these catheters. With even with even with a wire, um, using TEE only because mm -hmm. you only have a small window. So yeah, you see the wire in the IVC, but you don't know if the wire made a loop and went down. Mm -hmm. And you go advance that 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 catheter, and boom, you you perforate the heart, and well, you're 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 and done. I, I know when we make minor adjustments bedside, often we're looking at where the markings were on the cannula, mm -hmm. or I should point over here, the cannula. And maybe for minor adjustments, that's fine. Yes, if, it's, if you know it's in the IVC. Right. I'm only talking about situations where the cannula is no longer in the inferior mm -hmm. vena cava. So mm -hmm. if it's if it is in the inferior vena cava and just needs to be advanced a little bit, that's fine. You yeah. just do that, take an x-ray, advance it. Right. What you think it needs to be, take another x-ray. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, and for rotational things, I don't think that's really an issue either. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually, I think, the easiest thing to have to do as long as you understand mm -hmm. where the, the or outflow is. Deep, coming back a mm -hmm. little bit. Right. Well, right. You can do all of that blind mm -hmm. and just confirm with x-rays but once it is no longer in the inferior vena cava once it is in the the tip is it's in the right atrium as they they say yes yeah don't just try advancing that right thing because well, that any, can be with devastating children, i mean maybe that's because we're not in the pediatric world but True. everything is so tiny yes the smallest amount of error and you're gonna have a big problem i think so too okay let's get to the next image here so oh Let's get that out, and there we go. Okay, so this is real-time ultrasound images of patient B, which was a three-month-old male on VV ECMO with the snare surrounding the tip of the Avalon cannula in the right atrium, and then it's repositioned down uh, into the IVC. Okay, so let's look at this one again with a little bit of a pointer. Okay, so this one's a lot easier for me to see. Uh, obviously they've got the arrows too. So we're here and then it's snared and then they're pulling it down here so that it is much closer and into the IVC there. Right. But that's a really good image, I think. Very mm -hmm. easy to see. Okay. And you can really appreciate in that 
that it's not necessarily just a straight line. No, that one is not a straight line. Do you see that sort of maneuvering they had to do there? You see how it comes right. If you just advance that catheter, you can easily see you would have where gone. it's going to want to go possibly down into the LV, which yeah. is to the right and above yes, right and the, uh, the, uh, the arrow, that left arrow. Yep. Okay, so let's talk about their three patients. So patient A, two-month-old male, 4.4 kilograms with a BSA of 0.259 meters squared, acute hypoxemia and hypercarbic uh, from staph pneumonia and uh, uh, human metapneumovirus, which I, I think most people know is HMPV, VV ECMO, 13 French Avalon placed in the right IJ, 30% recirculation with patient desaturation, and this was just a few days after they were on ECMO. Bedside ultrasound found cannula tip in the middle hepatic vein. Several unsuccessful cannula adjustment attempts by the surgical team using echo guidance. And this was, they tried a few times, and then they sort of left the patient alone, and then they tried a few times uh, over uh, a few days, if I'm not mistaken. Then they decided to get uh, interventional radiology involved. They took the patient uh, down to the um, interventional uh, suite. They had ultrasound and fluoroscopy utilized with the transfemoral snare technique. The cannula was successfully repositioned, no complications, and they were expecting possible femoral hematomas, bleeding, limb ischemia. The ECMO flows and the patient saturation improved. The patient had a 23-day ECMO run, no additional cannula adjustment, and was discharged home. Well, that's good. It was a good result, good yeah, outcome. Yeah, good, good outcome. All right, let's get into patient yeah, we'll B. Yeah, see that staff. Go back to that diagnosis. Yep. Yeah, see. Well, and we're not looking. Pneumonia. Yeah, we're looking at uh, a lot of these patients, especially in the pediatric world, have very recoverable yes um disease process that's going on so this patient should recover you know mm -hmm. okay patient b three month male um 3.99 kilograms with the bsa of 0.253 meters squared um, premature 27 weeks pda asd acute respiratory distress again from hmpv uh, vv ecmo 13 french avalon placed right ij 39% recirculation. Now, this was on day nine. So initially, you know, it was okay. So they must have been using the transonic ELSA meter if they know it was 39% recirculation. At, they do not mention that, so I'm not How sure. How would they know it was 39%? It said estimated um, from chest x-ray. So I'm not sure really how they're, they're doing this. But, okay. yeah, they don't get a lot into that. Um, Chest x-ray, because I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I wonder, you know, what, what technique they're utilizing. Because I know we've discussed the, the transonic ELSA meter and how it's just become a regular part of our practice, you know. I don't know how you can, I don't know how you could come up with a percentage mm -hmm. without, I mean, you, you would have to have a, you would have to know information that you can't get. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's just no way to do that if you're pumping. Yeah, they, they they really just don't get into mm. that because I, I I looked very carefully to see if they uh, you know even hinted at that they were using some sort of device like that. Okay. Okay. Anyway, thirty nine percent recirculation on day nine. 
chest x-ray uh, and echo, the cannula tip is in the right atrium with the return port uh, jet at the uh, RA wall. They had unsuccessful attempt to reposition cannula by the surgeon using echo. The cannula was successfully repositioned by the transfemoral snare technique bedside by uh, interventional radiology using ultrasound only because for some reason um, flora wasn't available at this time. Mm -hmm. Now I think you could do it ultrasound only as long as you're using this snare. Yeah, maybe so. Because yeah. again, you're not going to push, you're pulling, pulling it and it can only go the direction that the wire is coming from. No, that's true. It's much more controlled. Much safer. Yep. Patient saturation had an immediate improvement, no complications, 14-day ECMO run, no additional cannula adjustment, and discharge home. So can we talk about this, or do you, do you want to no, go yeah. on? No, yeah, we can talk about okay, this. Okay, so a lot to unpack in this slide. Mm -hmm. um, one is... Uh, the recirculation and uh, and what that you know really means when you're saying a 39% recirculation let's just hypothetically we'll just use 40% because the math would be a little bit easier mm -hmm. if you're flowing two liters we'll say yep 60% uh, of that two liters or 40% of that two liters is not effective right so it's only going to your effective ECMO flow is only going to be 1.2 liters, mm -hmm. not two liters. Right. You lose 40%. And I didn't get into all the, the weeds of this, but I'll tell you, since we're talking about this one a little bit more, they did a few things before they attempted to adjust the cannula. They uh, gave volume. They put place to sh shoulder roll. They, um, let's see, they titrated flows to attempt to improve recirculation, and there was no improvement at all. And here's what they said. Without improvement in recirculation and, uh, and visible on the echo, uh, the cannula tip was uh, present in the right atrium. So finally yes. they just gave up and said, we're going to have to do something about yes. this. I would say anytime the cannula tip is in the right atrium, you're going to have significant recirculation. And there is, in my view, nothing you can do to improve that other than repositioning mm -hmm. the cannula. So I certainly... Uh, applaud their efforts, but I could have told you up front that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, um, it just it can't from a from a from just from a a, a physical physics perspective, it's impossible mm -hmm. to improve that because of where the where it is, is located, right. right? Right. Even at um, low flows, right? Because we're used to much higher flows, right? But even at low flows, you know, you're going to have it where it's just going back sure. through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it may be less, but your effective flows is less. You know, yeah. the patient was hemo was was doing their 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 PO2 was. I'm sure their gases looked horrible. Yeah, uh, but we've seen that ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think this is another reason, though, why having um, and I'm a, you know I'm a big believer in that transonic ELSA uh, meter. We talked about that. It is FDA approved. Interestingly enough for use with this. So it's been validated. Mm -hmm. The FDA actually says. And can you believe we, we've we only had it just a short period of time? A little over a year. Yeah. Right? A year and a half maybe. year and a half, um, I think. Yeah. But it came in very useful. Yes. And told, it gave us a lot of good information. It, it did. And it, it's not just whether your cannula is positioned well. It can give you an early warning sign for right heart failure. Mm -hmm. It can be a validator of 
uh, hyperdynamic state. You know, we showed that on some of our simulations, mm -hmm. which I think we need to do more of. Um, and we even used it on some of our exotic cannulations on uh, monitoring the flows. Yes, having multiple flow meters mm -hmm. so that you don't have to move it from one to the other to see what your flows are. You can actually see You have live, real-time flow. Yes, absolutely. And modulate it so much easier or yes. adjust your clamps or however you like to do it. Let's not get into C-clamps versus tubing clamps. Let's not I get almost, into that debate. I almost wanted to do it. You know, I almost wanted to do it. But... Uh, for those of you out there that like C-clamps, I prefer tubing clamps. I do not like using C-clamps for a variety we need, of We reasons. need shirts. Team C-clamp and team tubing clamp. Yeah, there's only one person I know going to get a, a team C-clamp. So, uh, <laughs> But then, of course, later on today, we're going to the uh, Weston Waterway, and we're actually going to be doing a an ECMO, a quasi-ECMO course for the uh, transonic sales representative that work with the ELSA meter to help them better understand ECMO since their device is very specifically designed for that purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're gonna be doing that later today from one to four. Uh, and uh, so this is all very, this actually ended up fortuitous. It wasn't planned. I know, I wondered if you planned uh, the, the lineup no, we changed the schedule for Transonic several times. We remember yeah. we were supposed to do it last month. It's, yeah. been, it's been changed multiple times. So finally today, it's actually going to happen. Um, so that should be a very interesting, I think, session with those guys and help them better understand what the why it is so effective so they can go to our colleagues that may be watching today and show it to them mm -hmm. and really explain it to them uh, well. Absolutely. Sorry. And one thing to note about that device, which... I think is great and you know anytime you're trying to get a new device into a facility it can sometimes be hard and this device is mobile so we had one in the unit that we used um you know throughout the different ecmo runs and so that's the nice. unit how about hospitals well i know but we ideally hospital ideally, to hospital. ideally you would have one at each facility but this isn't something you have to have in every room mm -hmm. you know as you're trying to implement these changes and mm -hmm. get these new devices mm -hmm. in okay so to my colleagues out there learn from my mistake what's that i used my device the hospital never had to pay for anything. Yeah. We ran it from hospital to hospital, and the hospitals were actually upset and offended when it wasn't in their facility, even though they never paid for anything. And now I'm trying to get the hospitals to buy, buy it, but because the pandemic seems to be abating. Resting. Yes, in in remission, um, <laughs> nobody wants to buy it, and it's like, look, I mean, if this happens, that you, I'm not going to keep running hospital to hospital bringing this device. So, to my colleagues out there, if you get a, uh, if you get it as a uh, trial run, like a, uh, how do we do? What do we call that? Uh, uh, evaluation. Evaluation. Don't device. let them keep it too long, and don't, don't whatever you do don't offer them anything for free you get to look at it but if you want to use it on patients you got to buy it because exactly. i'm going to tell you right now it uh, it's a nightmare well there were plenty of shifts that your ending shift at ecmo was and please clean the transonic and drive it to the next location <laughs> yes yeah exactly exactly okay let's uh, talk about the last patient here so patient c 13 month old male 10.8 kilograms, BSA 4. Point, uh, or sorry, 
0.465 meters squared, acute hypoxemia, hypercarbic, uh, respiratory failure, and they had RSV, septic shock. So the ICU made the decision to do VVA, ECMO, because they were thinking after we get past the shock, then we'll be able to easily transition to VV. Makes sense. So 19 French Avalon was placed in the right IJ, a single lumen right, a uh, uh, single lumen cannula in the right common carotid. That is so incredibly frightening to me. But to go in the carotid? It for, it's pretty yes. common in the pediatric yes, world. Yes, I know. Yeah. It's just the so ephemerals are just, they're, they're really small for cannulas. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. Is, uh, so I guess they're just really tiny. Um, pl the plan was to transition to VV ECMO after a few days. You don't have to worry about uh, uh, Arlequin. No, you don't. Tip of the cannula dislodged into the hepatic vein after placement. So this is immediately after they cannulated, they were moving the patient from the uh, you know surgical bed to the crib and the cannula dislodged. So it went into the hepatic, so it went too deep. Yep. The tip of cannula dislodged into the hepatic vein, so it must have gone yeah. you know, off to the side. Very small spaces in there, you know. Um, multiple unsuccessful attempts by surgeons to reposition the cannula. The cannula continued to migrate up over the next two days. Return to the port, uh, or the return port was at the SVC. Patient progressively more ah. hypo uh, hypoxic. Uh, hypoxemic, and um, the cannula successfully was repositioned with the transfemoral snare technique bedside using fluoro and ultrasound. ECMO flows and patient saturation improved. No complications, including no thrombotic events, because of course you know we're we're also uh, uh, arterial uh, flow there. Converted to VV on day five. 21-day ECMO run slowly progressing to discharge at the time of this paper was being mm -hmm. written. So very interesting. Um, so it must not have been too deep. So if the return port, which is the middle uh, section, well, right I of think the it, it was in the first S dislodged and then it migrated because so it migrated they left up. up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's that's how I read it. Okay. And interestingly enough, I didn't put this on here because honestly, I ran out of room on this slide. But I wanted to read you something about this. So. Um, Let's just get into the summary of this patient C. The patient experienced no complications related to the repositioning procedure. The patient also did not experience thrombotic or other complications uh, related to the use of both lumens of the Avalon cannula used as drainage limbs. Say that one more time. Okay. I think you just want this phrase. No complications related to the use of both lumens of the Avalon cannula used as drainage limbs. So they're draining out of both sides of the Avalon cannula is what yeah. I read. Yeah. Well, you could do that. Um, however, that yeah. however, we are not recommending this technique. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah. see that. I've never seen that where, or I guess I've never had a reason to see that where you're using both sides of the Avalon as drainage. Yeah, I've done it before. Oh, have you? Yeah. Huh. What was the reasoning? Why did you decide to do it that way? Increased flow. Yeah. So we went VA. Yeah. We converted to VA. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to change everything out, 
I just used both of those limbs mm -hmm. and came back as my access. So basically, mm -hmm. I had a, just a big giant right atrial, yeah, you know, drainage. Yeah, yeah, and went cannula. back to the femoral artery. Because huh. when I did it, remember that exotic cannulation that I did. You can yes. also use it both for return. Yes. You can do that too. Yeah. You can add another femoral venous cannula for access and run both returns in that way now, if you want to. What I did was used the traditional side for drainage on the Avalon, and then we put in a femoral, wide it in, so then we had a femoral vein drainage. Mm -hmm. Then we had going into the left femoral artery for return and then we looped off the and other the one avalon so you had so you had the avalon no. coming no no both avalons out to a femoral venous no. one side avalon out the other side was uh flushed and put on a loop and just filled oh. with crystalloid because we knew we'd convert back because this ah. but yeah because we were kind of thinking on the fly this wasn't planned we were bedside and we're like what can we do and mm. I didn't even think of uh, yeah, doing it that way. Yeah. yeah, you could do that. That's it's interesting. Very, it's very easy. It really works well. Yeah. You get, let me tell you something. You get a lot of flow. You get a lot of flow. You get a lot of, you have no restriction to flow on your access side. Your access, if you were to be measured, we don't measure pressures. Yeah. But if you were to be measuring the pressure, it was not very negative. We had CRT hooked up so I could tell what yeah. that pressure actually right, was. Right, because you're reading it through the CRT. And it was CRT. very low. Yeah. So like not very negative. It not was, very negative. Right. Right. I got it. Okay. So the author's conclusion, we describe a safe technique for repositioning of dual lumen cannula in pediatric patients without cessation. Cessation. What? What's my problem with cessation, that word? Cessation. Yeah, you got it right. Of ECMO support using a transfemoral snare lasso guided by ultrasound and fluoroscopy. And we're ready to discuss, although we've been kind of doing that as we go here. No, I think that's great. I, I, I really, actually, I mean, I, I know you felt that this was a, a challenging paper because it was the pediatric world, but yeah. I just think so much of it. Of course, there may be pediatric people out there that see this. Oh, and absolutely. Who are say, hey, this, you know, because we really don't spend well, a lot of time. That was my space. point is just I was a little bit intimidated because I don't read anything on pediatrics anymore. I used to have a real interest in it in the beginning because I kind of thought maybe one day, but hmm. then that one day never came. And so I feel very um, ill-equipped to hmm. discuss things in the pediatric world. Even just looking at those tiny little weights and BSAs, it's hard to really comprehend for me well i feel the same way yeah so, they're I mean, just you're, tiny you know I mean? little things yeah i'm not i can't do that i just can't do it yeah so i i did think this was a, actually a really interesting article i uh, it's not something i never thought of i guess mm -hmm. uh, ir people think about these kinds of things mm -hmm. uh, maybe not specifically in ecmo but it's a great application well i and think if you're going to do ecmo at all you need to know this technique mm -hmm. uh, because if you are going to do vv ecmo with a single cannula technique dual lumen single yep. cannula dual lumen um, you will be confronted with this problem. Well, and this isn't a new problem because I, I didn't get a chance to really read all of their reference articles, but I looked at, uh, briefly, just looked at a couple of them. And um, even uh, as back 
as far as 2017 uh, in the Journal of Artificial Organs, there was an article that was published about bedside repositioning of a dislocated uh, Avalon cannula. So this mm -hmm. is not a new problem by mm -hmm. any means. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then all the way up to this uh, 2020, the same year that this article was published, there was a reposition of the uh, dual lumen ECMO cannula l using this transfemoral lasso. So these this group was not the first to do it, but they were the first to, I think, do multiple patients and then put them together in this particular way, describing how they did it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's really interesting because, again, you know, this is not something that we have not, that we have, uh, that is that uncommon mm -hmm. to us um, in the world we're in. And as you continue to, which brings up yet another issue, and I'll tell you uh, what it is, um, but I think as you, as we advance in how we deliver ECMO, and especially those places that ambulate, mm -hmm. um, and they, uh, or you're proning, or, and you're not using a prone bed, but even with a prone bed, it's treacherous, but without a prone bed, and you're just flipping the patient, and they're big patients, um, your risk of, uh, of uh, catheter dislodgement is very very high well and even just having these long runs and really having to take care of these patients cleaning them changing yes. their beds repositioning them to make sure that you know they're getting uh the pressure off the different points of their yes. body sitting them up yeah getting all them of in the things. chair yeah e e not even talking about something turning as crazy them. as proning but just turning yes you know you can or especially if they're awake, just trying to give their neck somewhat of a break, getting them to be able to move it around a bit, mm -hmm. you're at a high risk for uh, really dislodging that cannula. Yes. Which brings up how it is secured. Mm -hmm. We have had as a group one episode mm -hmm. of uh, catheter, uh, of decannulating uh, de uh, unintentionally with the access, the superior vena cava coming out. Um, now, it did get fixed, it did get replaced, the patient did get back on ECMO, the patient did uh, not have a, uh, an untoward event uh, from that episode, but it was quite dramatic. And those are realities of doing this is well, you have and to secure that absolutely. cannula. Well, and it's even beyond that. I think that cannula was secured, but this was an awake patient that was very agitated. And I think mm -hmm. that's uh, another safety. And yanked on it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, another safety, you know, area that we really that have to. That can happen, right, that can happen that way well you know but i have to say you know look i mean i i i one of the things that i think and there's several things that, i mean all of our docs are incredibly talented i, sure. I, I there's no Absolutely. doubt about that but one of the things that i think dr matoyer does really really well is that cannula might migrate more distally might advance a little yeah. too deep it's not coming over out over time it ain't never coming out no and he puts a big proline in the skin at the cannula insertion site, ties that, and then loops it at the Y where the access and return are, and comes back around again, back through the skin, and then ties that down. You're gonna have to pull awfully hard 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not the patient's not going to take it out themselves. I don't care how hard they pull because they're going to take their head with them, and it's not coming out. And it's not going to feel good. No, it's not going to feel good. It's one of the things, it's one of the many things that I think he does very, very well is he really secures it. Not everyone feels the same way and not everyone secures it to that degree. Different techniques, But I think that that may be something we could do to improve. It reduces our stress level. Right. We can deal with a cannula that goes in a little too deep. It's really hard to deal with a cannula that comes out. Well, that's so, a that's a emergent situation. You're having to deal with that right away. Even if it's not all the way out of the patient, right. just high recirculation right. creates its own set of problems. Right. Absolutely. If it comes into the right atrium, you've got a problem. I've had a decannulation once. Did you? In the pediatric world, in Ooh. my very early career, um, the doctor was rounding and had someone there that they were training and was showing them you know we were on a VA ECMO and um, cannula arterial cannula pulled out caught it on something you know they're just tiny little things and it just oh came right out now believe it or not it he got it back in (laughs) just like that but that's because (sighs) he was the surgeon and he know. did it. <laughs> that patient ultimately didn't survive, but it was not from that event. Not because of that event. Not yeah. because of that event. Man, I'll tell you what. That was a, something. I think I was only out maybe two or three months. How big were your eyes? It was, a, that was a crazy run. I also had um, a, a, you know, we use roller pumps at yeah. pediatrics. Yeah. And uh, I had, and you, the way you didn't change your circuit until you absolutely had to is you walked your tubing and right. your roller pumps. Because of spallation and, and tubing fatigue. And I had a same patient, my shift still, um, but different day. I had the tubing split. Ooh. Crazy. Wow. And we actually did drills in uh, Texas Heart for that, mm-hmm. but you don't think you're ever going to actually do it. You have to change that whole boot. Yep. Yeah, you got to change that whole boot. You got to, that's, and it's going to be a bloody mess. It was. Yes, generally it is. But um, uh, interestingly, I, I wanted to talk about that case that you did. Uh, we were doing it together. It was your, I think it was your first hyperkalemia case. Uh huh. And uh, we were, can- so it was minimally invasive, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have the posi- patient position with the right side up because it's going to be a right anterior thoracotomy, cannulated femoral vein, uh, femoral artery. And uh, we were giving the potassium. And, if, and the one thing about the hyperkalemia technique is you have to be somewhat careful about giving the potassium too fast. Because yeah. if you give it a little too fast, you get some transient hypertension. And each patient's going to be a little different. But it can be pretty significant. Now, mm-hmm. it's short term, but it's still pretty significant. And we were giving the potassium, maybe gave it a little too fast. Pressure went up. And for whatever reason, you just were watching it. it I don't know how it happened. It, it was fortuitous. You had a clamp in your hand. You're looking and you literally watched the arterial cannula back out and come out mm-hmm. and you clamped it like it be, it's like you were <laughs> it's like you knew it was going to happen. 
And that 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 was Dr. Matoyer, and he got the cannula back in mm -hmm. um, right away. He was able to put it back in. It was mostly drama free. It was a high um, stress moment, <laughs> but it was a high stress moment, and uh, got the patient back on bypass, and everything was okay. But it was from that event that he started mo more robustly securing all of his return cannulas, mm -hmm. the femoral, and then that translated to, I'm going somewhere with this, with how he uh. ties down the uh, Avalon, because that's exactly what he does with the, with the femoral arterial now, if mm -hmm. you ever noticed, is he goes around with big proline, yep. and then where the lower lock is, he makes sure that's on good and tight, and he puts the proline around it so that there is always constant inward pressure uh -huh. of the femoral right. arterial it's, cannula. It's, it's lassoed and it's pulling it. Pu right, always right. It cannot come this way. It is not going out. He's a smart guy. He also probably got tired of our almost daily calls that one of the beds needed the cannula adjusted. <laughs> he did get tired of that. He did get tired of that. And I have to tell you one of the funniest things that he... Uh, he ever said, um, I was in the unit, and I show this video a lot, um, and it's of the Avalon, um, and you see the line going into the patient red and then coming out, and you see it pulsing red, yes. pulsing red, yes. pulsing red. And of course, I'm trying to point that out to him. Maybe and that's uh, we had like how they determined their recirculation. They have uh, eyeballs that can read. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I don't believe so. <laughs> and um, and we had been, I, you know, I don't know. I had been up for I don't know how many hours and he had been up. I don't know how many hours. And we had six patients in this unit um, that were on ECMO at a hospital where we generally would only see one. ECMO, maybe two for maybe just an overlap, for just a short period yeah. of time. Yeah. And we have six going at this one moment and one of them going back and forth to the operating room because he keeps blowing out his lungs and chest tubes going in and bleeding going in and 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 oh my god we had mass transfusion protocol going on two different patients yeah. at the same time and uh man i'll tell you what that was some crazy times but he stood at the doorway um and he was he was he he was yelling at people but i ended up being the 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 center point i the ended receiving. up yes i ended up being the martyr for the entire unit and he stood at the doorway and he said damn it joe my brain works faster than every computer in this <laughs> blanking hospital <laughs> and, he, and he stormed off and you gotta remember he's like six foot five he's got long blonde hair he looks like a surfer dude from california wears his big cowboy boots he's a pretty smart guy and uh, but he is he's from center texas he's from a nowheresville uh nowheresville usa and uh the guy is incredibly talented mm. there's no question about it he is smart you were challenging but, uh, him that day though man i'll tell you what well i apparently i challenged him right into a meltdown but <laughs> uh but he does think very highly of his brain function because he clearly <laughs> thought he was he his brain worked faster than every hot every computer in the hospital <laughs> i don't even know what it had to do with it i just need you to were, adjust the damn cannula no you were i remember this and so i'm going to come to his defense here a little bit you were 
telling him too much. You know, everybody was coming at him with information. He was just trying to process something. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he needed a moment to just kind of think. Mm -hmm. How come you never defend me, Tammy? I do. You're just you not around don't. for it. I'm just not around for it. Okay. Okay. We need All to right. spin the wheel. So, uh, yes. So I'm going to. So Ab Abdul Rahman Al Humiani. We are spinning the wheel for you. And God knows, I hope you don't get an aortic dissection case or you don't get extra call. You get something good. So, uh, uh, so uh, Abdul Rahman, I hope you're paying attention. Tammy is going to spin the wheel for you. Here we go. Let's see what we're going to get. He gets a cup. Man, it was close to an aortic dissection. I would okay. have spun again. Where's our cup? Oh, I don't have our no, cups. No, it's okay. Yeah, but we have our cups. Yep. We're going to send them to you. Uh, uh, we'll send you two cups so that you can share your favorite beverage with uh, your your loved one or your partner or one of your colleagues at work, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. But we need you to email us your physical mailing address in Saudi so we can send it to you. We'll send it via FedEx or UPS or one of those organizations, and you should get it in hopefully some reasonable amount of time before we're all, you know, before, hopefully it'll get there. Supply chain and transport times. It's, and are things are getting extended. there. Just but taking a while. we're gonna get it to you. We, we will get it to you. You wanna talk a little bit about what we're doing tomorrow? Um, yeah, let's talk about what's going on tomorrow. You know what's going on tomorrow? Uh, yes, tomorrow is, an afternoon program, I believe it's at 3 o'clock. It'll be PerfWeb 77 Day 2, and it will be with John Ingram's Knowledge Nuggets. And mm -hmm. aren't we discussing oxygen-free radicals? We are. Well, John is Understanding discussing. Understanding oxygen-free radicals. Yes, yeah. yes, ma'am. And you will definitely get some nuggets to be able to take home with you. Absolutely. Well, I think John's programs are really good. They're excellent programs. They're he does excellent. a fantastic job. You know, he's working on getting his Ph.D., Oh, and wow. Is his PhD, yeah, his PhD, right? Not his, or his master's. I'm not Maybe sure. Maybe it's his master's. I'm not sure. No, he's working on his master's. That's okay, what he's masters. working on. Got it. And uh, so he's doing a lot of research and uh, uh, really doing a, he does, but I think his programs are very, very informative. Absolutely. Uh, the guy is extremely smart um, and uh, always reliable. He always answers his emails. Of course, he does his, his show. He's got, you've got the Tammy Sparrow, you know, journal club. I've got the, uh, knowledge, the, uh, John has the knowledge nuggets. I have perf web. We have the Vanderbilt faculty forum mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot of stuff going on. We're going to try to add to that. We're going to add some additional go, programs this right? year. Mm -hmm. We have some new technology to, to, uh, help when we do remote programs that we don't have to use Skype or Zoom or anything like that. It's our own internal software. We have new cameras. So we have hopefully new cameras. you can tell the, the difference, The right? difference, yeah. Hopefully everything looks good. We've got some new backgrounds and stuff. Uh, we're trying to put together a program that uh, that continues to grow and continues to be, uh, to be good. Um, let's see, we have some additional questions. Amit, hey Amit, how are you doing, man? Um, when you put a patient on an Avalon, adult patient, do you keep your lines very long so they extend all the way to the patient's feet? So quick answer from me is no. I hate doing that. Um, anytime you have 
significant, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, you have excessive redundant tubing. You have a higher risk of problems occurring, not to mention you're occupying more of the patient's blood volume. The caveat to that is if you're going to be ambulating the patient, getting them into a chair, et cetera, right. you have to have enough length in order to be able to do that uh, safely. So it is a balance of having enough length to do what you need to do safely and not so much length that you have to wrap your tubing around or coil it or going all different directions where in my view that increases uh, uh, your, uh, your, your risk ratio um, to a point that I don't like it. So that's my opinion, Tammy. Um, I agree with you. I would say normally um, our tubing comes down to just standard in our pack, comes down to where we're positioning the ECMO machine around the patient's in between sort of their uh, knee area and their hip area, and our tubing is about that long with just a little bit slack hanging off. Now, as these runs go longer and we do some change outs, we typically, um, for the most part, I know you like to do it at the cannula, but most of us do I've it. I've stopped doing that. Okay. A short distance from the cannula, we'll go ahead and leave a, just a tiny bit of tubing there. And so you do get a little additional extra length which can be helpful. Um, you just need to uh, make sure that if you're doing multiple changeouts on these really long runs that you're not continually adding to that, um, keeping it about the same length for ambulating and for when you go to CT. Often CT is a big challenge because, you know, that the bed is sliding in and you're, you know, machines. That is a challenge, yeah, yes. You're, you're, but, sometimes you have just enough. But I think, well, and that's a different, that's a different issue. So whenever in my, again, my opinion, and, I, and, and just to, to, to sort of go backwards, if we may, I used to believe that you should change the ECMO at the cannula connection site. Uh, so wherever the, uh, the circuit tubing uh, attached to the actual cannula connectors. Um, but I have since abandoned that uh, because I think that there is just too much risk of having a, uh, a a cannula positioning problem. So I try to avoid that now. Well, and occasionally. But I don't like to increase the length of the lines every time that I do have to change an ECMO circuit. I try to tailor the line so I'm about the same Exactly, length. about the same length. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I was saying. Because, again, if they're too long, uh, even when you're ambulating, that's a risk for tripping over the lines, yes. running over the lines. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's just a little bit of using your, you know, common sense judgment that you want a little bit of slack, but not too much. And mm -hmm. when we were ambulating our patients, we were in the um, leading position initially when they're sitting back in the chair, but then once they're fully walking, we were in the uh, caboose position, if yes. you will. Yes. We were the last, uh, so we're coming up over the shoulder and right behind them. Yes, correct. And then yeah. they would have a chair. We would actually be behind the chair. Yes. So that if they had, a, they needed to sit down immediately, there was somebody right there. Right. Um, so, and that seemed to work out pretty mm -hmm. well for us. Amit had a second follow-up question. 
Um, do you secure the lines around the patient's head? Yes. yes. And is there a special device that you use? So yes, but no. It's not made um, for that. Right. So we use a headband and it's got Velcro. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I will tell you, there's some things that you oh, have uh, to. It's uh, what's it? Uh, it's for uh, securing the trach, the trach collar. No. No. That no, that's initially what I thought we were using it for, but that's not what it's for. It's a leg. It is something that oh, goes. It's a leg band. That's yeah, right. It's, it's a leg for the band. Foley. Is it for the? Uh, is it's, it for it's, the? It's not for the foley. I feel like it's for maybe like dialysis catheter or something. But it is because uh, initially we tried it's a white the, headband. Yes, it's got black Gosh. Velcro. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does, but it it's the right size. It's comfortable on the patients because uh, it's soft made of a soft material because most of these patients you know that we had lately were awake mm -hmm. you know when yes. they were asleep we were still doing it but you weren't worried so much about them you know thinking it's itchy or anything but mm. it works quite well it does now with that said there's two things you have to be very aware of it will slide off yes and that can make everything go cattywampus so you have to be careful about having it there the second thing which is um very important is that that cannula will rest right on their ear and i have seen several ear wounds uh pressure yeah. wounds uh and abrasion wounds you need to make sure you have the uh padding. the padding right yeah. initially you know you can we start off four with by fours. four by fours but then we transition once the patients are awake uh to using those little uh i forget what they're called the little flower ones yeah that's uh the um it's for the pressure wounds that go on the back. I can't remember the name of them either. But it's a pressure wound uh, sort of tegaderm, and we would put those on the ear, and that helped a lot. Yes. A lot. Then something else you need to keep in mind, securing it to the head is uh, really just for kind of guiding the cannula and the lines to be in the right direction. There's a lot of weight when they're up. Mm -hmm. Now, if they're just, you're just ambulating them to the chair and then they're sitting there, then you can secure the line sort of backwards, you know, to the chair. But if they're walking, um, you really need to be thinking about that weight is going to be pulling down. It's not comfortable for them, one. And two, it can kink off the uh, cannula or torque it some. So you need to make sure that you have a technique where you are um, really providing the, um, the holding the weight yeah, of the, the lines. Yes, yes. You're, 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 you're holding it up and not you're, you're distributing the weight more towards the holding right. it up versus yes. allowing the cannula's weight to just pull exactly uh, because it will flop and that can over. be challenging with the taller patients i know we had one very tall patient that we were ambulating and you know he did quite well discharged home all of that but when we were ambulating him and it was a slow process he was very tall you know, mm -hmm. I'm holding the lines up here. He's he was a, a tall person. So mm -hmm. your physical therapist that's there working uh, with you can help with some of that, too. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They, they're very creative and coming up with ways to really help these patients feel secure. And they were actually pretty quick. We were to, using Ace Wrap. Yeah. We used an Ace, Ace bandage mm -hmm. around uh, around his head. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. uh, and but the physical therapist came up with that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so what do you think about um, since we uh, Abdul Rahman is one something what since Amit had two good questions. Yeah. Do you think we should spin the wheel? Yeah, for let's him spin too? one more time. So, Amit, make sure you send us 
your, I probably have it already, but send us your physical email address unless... No, physical address. Yeah, physical mailing address. Yes. Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, let's uh, bring the wheel show, up one the more way, time. He says, oh, thank you. you. Thank you. So don't give him a bad prize. I never give bad prizes. Yes, you it's you. Mm -hmm. I spin see. again. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets an aortic dissection here. I don't even know why it's there. Mm hmm. Nope. Oh, I mean, you get an aortic dissection. We're spinning again. Oh, God, nope. I hope you're not on call. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> Who made this wheel? It's, it's not spinning. It's a mean it wheel. It's a mean Hold wheel. On, wait, you got to remember because it's delayed online. Yeah. So. Oh, it's a cup day. He gets cups too. Okay, All right. so both of you, both you and Abdul Rahman, get cups. <laughs> oh no, he said. <laughs> Hope you're not on call tonight because it, it was Tammy. It wasn't yeah, me. Well, I didn't spin the wheel. It's she not did. real. But uh, you're going to get a cup instead. That way you can have coffee during your aortic dissection. <laughs> all right. We'll see you all tomorrow. Uh, uh, the afternoon program you 3 said is 3 p.m. I believe it's John 3 Ingram's Knowledge Nuggets. Mm -hmm. And we'll look forward to seeing everyone then. Thank you all so much for being a part of our program. And uh, send us your emails. Send us your suggestions. Become a faculty member. We'd love to have you. You could have your own show. You could do it um, remotely. You can do it remotely. You don't actually have to be here, but you can come here too because this is a great studio, a lot of fun, great technology, but we have the technology to do it from anywhere, and that's the important thing. So we'll see you all. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, Tammy. Thank you. Good program. Good Thank show. Thank you.